You're listening to The Spin Room on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM, WRFH. And I'm Milius. And I'm Monty. And we've got a whole plethora of music news to share with you guys today. Whole plethora. Yeah. All right, so we got the latest music news, as you said before, and we also have a review of the new Ariel Pink album dedicated to Body Jameson for you. We also have some updates about the show in general. You can also find us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Hillsdale. So let's get right into the music news, shall we? Yes, we shall. All right. Run the Jewels released a new song called Mean Demeanor, and it's featured on the FIFA 18 video game soundtrack. Do you like Run the Jewels, James? I do like Run the Jewels. I'm, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of them, but I like what I've heard. I'm not a huge fan of Run the Jewels either, but I do appreciate their latest release, um, which came out, I think, 2016 at the end of the year. It was pretty well made. Yeah, I, I agree. It was well made. It's just not the style of music I typically listen to, but you know, when I'm in... In a mood where I want some aggressive, hard-hitting, hardcore rap, Run the Jewels, pretty good choice. For sure. Also, jazz artist Kamasi Washington has released a new EP called Harmony of Difference via Young Turks. It's 32 minutes long, which is vastly different than the album he put out in, I believe, 2016. This isn't the same Young Turks as Chank Uger, is it? No, it is not. It's okay. a record label. I was going to um, say... <laughs> he was he was featured on the Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar and has quite the prolific record recently. Um, it got best new music from Pitchfork if that's appealing to you, and it's available for streaming on Spotify and Apple Music. I'll have to check this out. I'm I'm not familiar with Kamasi Washington, but it sounds like he's got a pretty pretty stacked catalog. Oh, he so. does. He's very good. Detroit-based band um, Proto Mutter released their follow-up to the critically acclaimed Agent Intellect with their new album. Relatives of Descent. Have you heard of Protomartyr before, James? I have not. Protomartyr for me is something that sort of came out of left field. I did not like their album cover in 2015, so I didn't listen to it. I know that's a horrible <laughs> reason why not to Don't listen to something. Don't judge a book by its cover, Monty. Um, but they're very good. They're breathing life into the Detroit post-punk scene for sure, and I really do enjoy their music. They're, it's visceral, it's forward-thinking, it's energetic, and it's really great to listen to. They have great sequencing on their albums also. That's um, cool. You should definitely check them out. So, uh, in other news, there's a new The World is a Beautiful Place and I Am No Longer Afraid to Die album out called Always Foreign. For those of you not familiar, they are an emo slash, well, not really slash, emo with post-rock influenced band. They're one of the leaders of the quote-unquote emo revival, if you want to call it that. Their last album was 2014's Harmlessness, which got pretty decent reviews from people in the scene. I haven't had a chance to check this out yet, but I've heard good things about it, so you'll hear my thoughts on that probably sometime next week. It's also being described as anti-Trump and anti-white supremacy, which is not not normal for that group. That's pretty expected. They're they're definitely uh, politically charged in oh, their lyrics sure. quite often. Uh, these are, I mean, Trump wasn't really relevant when uh, harmlessness came out, but the rest of the things it's been described as were definitely themes on, on harmlessness. So, one. Miley Cyrus also released a new album recently called Younger Now. It got bad reviews across the board. Big surprise. I haven't listened to this yet, and I'm actually quite interested in listening to it because it seems like Miley Cyrus has leveled out compared to what she was doing back in 2015 and 2014 with Dead Pets and... And bangers. And bangers. Yeah. She was making quite a scene of everything and really shot her name up. <laughs> yeah, she... Uh, it's not to say she wasn't famous before any of this i mean hannah montana was pretty famous show oh for sure but she definitely moved her name away from you know disney channel it's the same type of stuff that britney spears did back in the day yeah, she's you know? reinvented herself for sure and i'm interested to see the product that has resulted of that, that being reinvention said, being completed that being said nothing of her reinvention has worked so far i 
cannot stand Miley Cyrus and her dead pets or bangers. They are bad. No, those are both terrible albums. Very, very terrible bad. albums. If you want to listen to something that would give you truly cringe-inducing listening, listen to Miley Cyrus and her dead pets. It is terrible. It's probably the worst thing the Flaming Lips have ever worked on. Yeah, one of the worst things. Also, The Clientele um, released a new album with music in the age of miracles. The Clientele is a British chamber rock band. They use a lot of strings, and they're actually very interested in listening to them. Very Bowie-esque feel to it. I really enjoyed this album for sure. And also, Noel Gallagher's High Flying Birds have announced a new album, which will feature Johnny Marr and Paul Weather on it. And it's called Who Built the Moon? It's out November 24th. Liam Gallagher also has something coming out in October. So it's the Battle of Britpop 2.0, except it's 2017. And, and no one cares. And no one cares. In other news, the new Radiohead and Hans Zimmer collaboration is out with the song uh, Ocean Bloom. We're going to play a sample of that for you right now. That, of course, was Ocean Bloom by Radiohead and Hans Zimmer. Now it's time to get into the crux of this show, the review of Ariel Pink's new album dedicated to Bobby Jameson. So how do you feel about this album to get things started, James? I, I'll say that I like this album. I'll say that, well, we can talk specifics later. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this album, though. All right, for me, I think this album is actually very interesting. I think that has some great components to it. I think the second half of this album is way better than the first half. So, getting into it. The album starts off really weird, in my opinion. I like it, though. It starts off with a song called um, Time to Meet Your God, and it's so strange lyrically, and it's very strange just rhythmically, too. It feels very avant-garde. Yeah, this was actually my favorite song on the album, was Time to Meet Your God. I, I think, for me, this, and then following into, um, what was the name of the next song? Uh, Feels Like Heaven. Feels Like Heaven, right. Um, Time to Meet Your God and Feels Like Heaven. There's a lot of lyrical themes that carry over between the two, um, you know, with the idea of God and heaven might be kind of obvious. But anyways, um, I really liked these two songs. They were my favorite on the album. Very avant-garde, as you said. Ariel Pink has always been an avant-garde kind of guy. But I do like how he ties it all with stuff that people can get into. It's very tangible still. Even though it seems incredibly weird right off the start, and the influences are obviously there. Like, this album genre hops like crazy. And I'm going to get into that more as this review goes on. But um, Ariel Pink manages to tie it all together in something incredibly tangible and something incredibly interesting, I believe. Um, Feels Like Heaven is... One of the it's like a cool lounge jazz song influenced by you know modern techniques of songwriting and i really enjoy that song i enjoy it too we're gonna play a sample of that song right now this is feels like heaven by ariel pink That was Feels Like Heaven by Ariel Pink. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. This is The Spin Room. Back to this review of the new Ariel Pink album dedicated to... Bobby Jameson. Bobby Jameson. 
dedicated to some guy. He's de- it's say. actually a guy from the 60s who released protest songs. I looked this oh, up. Really? Bobby Jameson is a very interesting character. He was an outsider musician, didn't release that much music, and died, I believe, in the 80s. I guess I should have known that. but Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very... I don't know why he dedicated this. I got to look that up more. But... So this album almost feels absurd. Lyrically, it feels abstract, but it still manages to progress forward. And I also think that the lo-fi elements of this album, rather than the hi-fi production techniques that we've seen with previous Aerial Pink releases, actually help this album in some ways, but hinder it in others. It's very, very, very hazy. It feels like you're almost lost in a purple haze or a pink haze or something. You see, I do not like the fact that he went with such a lo-fi production technique on this album. It feels like he's just co-opting the style because it's in in style right now with acts like Car Seat Headrest. Oh, for sure. This is, you know, I've always been a big critic of bands trying to adopt this style just because it's in or popular at the time. This is something that Metallica did with Saint Anger back when they released that to pans by the media. This isn't obviously isn't as bad as Saint Anger. But, you know, it seems like any time that lo-fi is in style, these bands that are typically all about their hi-fi production, these artists, try to do a lo-fi thing. And I think that there's not really much of a point to that because the point of lo-fi is trying to make something sound good for as little as you can. And I think that when you've proven yourself to be a high-fidelity artist, it's kind of pointless to try to co-opt this lo-fi style unless you're just doing it because it's popular. But I also have to, in defense of Ariel Pink, I do have to say that he's been dabbling with lo-fi for quite some time. He operates in a genre that's a subgenre of just psychedelic pop god, hypogonic pop. And it's almost what Mac DeMarco does. A lot of times on this album in particular, I feel like it's like a Mac DeMarco album set to more LSD and a lot more lo-fi influence, as James was saying earlier. Um, however, I feel like the lo-fi at times hinders. But like I said, I believe that there's a lot of elements underneath which get shot through um this album for example on time to live there's just a super lo-fi production and then you get this clean cut synth that runs right along top of it and i think provides a very interesting line an interesting element and very interesting texture for this album and that happens time and time again over this album and i really do enjoy it yeah i i like the song like i want to say i'm not trying to just pan ariel pink for trying something new here i I love lo-fi. It's one of my favorite genres. I love seeing musicians like get their music out there for as little as they can. Mm-hmm. It's just it bothers me when big acts like this just adopt the style because it's popular. That being said, I do like the sound of a lot of these songs. Time to Live, good example. It's a good song. My problem with this album as a whole, I would say, I think, though, is that not a lot stands out to me. <laughs> It feels like you're listening to one long song for much of the album. There are a couple of instances where it gets changed up, but really a lot of it just sounds the same. So the way I view it from that aspect is a lot of it does sound the same. A lot of it reverts back to old Ariel Pink motifs that you know he's going to put in there. A lot of it feels like just a step backwards rather than forwards. However, I think that what Ariel Pink is trying to do here is tether a lot of his more experimental songs on this album to songs that the average listener would get and understand because they're an Ariel Pink fan. And he manages to tether these together in such a way that it feels like it's one consistent and straightforward album with varying elements to it. And I really do enjoy that. And I think feel like the experimental parts and the different parts of this album really burst out in the second half of this album, which I really do enjoy. Um, you have a collab with Thundercat at the end of here. Um, and the best song of the album is in the latter half of the album as well, and it's really enjoyable. See, I would disagree with that myself. So, here, 
Let's do it this way. Let's play you a sample of Bubblegum Dreams off of this album. Which is my favorite song on this album. And probably my least favorite, just to show you a bit of a disagreement between us. But anyways, here's uh, Bubblegum Dreams by Ariel Pink. That, of course, was Bubblegum Dreams by Ariel Pink. So this is your favorite song on the album. Yeah, uh, I know this is a horrible comparison, but it feels like if Bruce Springsteen or any 80s generic (laughs) yacht rock artist decide to create a hypogonic pop song that just feels so new and feels so lush, and the instrumentation on this thing is absolutely wonderful, and I love it. I disagree with most of what you said. I will agree with saying it sounds like Bruce Springsteen tried to make a song in the style of Ariel Pink. Um, I don't think that's necessarily a good thing because Bruce Springsteen does best Bruce Springsteen, and I don't think that this song really works. I think it's kind of bland. It's not a bad song. I just think that it doesn't stand out, and it's probably the most like one-trick song of the entire album. I don't album. think it's one trick at all. And I think that's if it is one trick, that's what makes it the best because it's not meandering all over the place and it has a concise vision and it moves forward. A lot of what I like about this album in the second half as well is there's a lot more introduction of guitars rather than just smooth jazz sounds set to like vaporwave aesthetics. The vaporwave aesthetics, which I didn't mention before, but they're there throughout this entire album and it's actually really cool. They're still there in the second half, but you also have a lot of influences from Yacht Rock, which is soft rock from the 70s in this latter half as well. And changes up with the two last songs on this album as well to an entirely different feel which i don't really care for but still i think this is a very intrinsic second half that ties together in a meaningful way and also is very cohesive i will say um i did like the last two songs on the album probably more than most of the rest of the album like the first two and the last two were my favorite songs but the middle of this album just It's not bad. It just was kind of a chore to listen to the whole thing. Um, But to show you the difference in style here at the end, let's play a sample of Revenge of the Iceman right now. That, of course, was Revenge of the Iceman off of Ariel Pink's new album dedicated to Bobby Jameson. Yes, dedicated to Bobby Jameson. I got it down. (laughs) (laughs) So Return of the Iceman for me is really interesting because it's a sonic departure from the rest of the album. It's incredibly different. It would fit nowhere else in the sequencing except the end. And I feel like it being at the end is sort of piling on to an album which could have ended. But also, part of me feels like it's a very different song and a very unique song that I feel the album would not have benefited from had it not been on there you see i think that so this song it clearly sounds more punk influenced oh for almost even hardcore punk influenced at moments i think that it does really it is a moment where this album does stand out is where it does change the pace it's not the same you know yacht rock soft rock middle of the album that the rest of this album felt like and i think that Haze. Yeah, set to like this hazy, weird, weird production. sonic landscape. Yeah, yeah. production. But 
this song does break away from that and I like that it does and it's kind of, it's you know if it wasn't on this album I might not like this song as much but I think it does quite well here so here's what I feel about that song I feel like if that song was the first song on this album and Arrow Pink did a consistent thing revolving around that song with a more punk influence I would not have liked this album as much I would have thought it was a departure from a sound that just didn't work but yet even in the fact that I think the sequencing on this back half of the album, especially the last two songs, is screwed up, and the songs could have been cut, I feel like the album benefits entirely from them being there, and I wouldn't cut them. Yeah, I agree. And these last two songs, uh, being Acting and Revenge of the Iceman, definitely do change the pace of this album a lot. Acting, I want to talk about Acting for a second. This song is very odd. It's got this weird funk beat going on underneath it's it. It's different. Like like we said, with, I, with Revenge of the Iceman and Acting, both are very different from the rest of the album. And very different from each other, too. Acting's mm-hmm. this weird blend of like funk and like mall rock and that I you think would hear at a Kmart too. in the 90s. Yeah, it's very vaporwave <laughs> influence. And that's the part I like about it. When it starts off with the funk beat, it almost feels disingenuous. And it feels like it shouldn't be on the album, and I really didn't like it. Um, also, keep in mind that this song features Thundercat, which is an artist which prides himself on creating songs that sound like that 90s Katie Mart Walmart-type elevator music, but makes it really interesting and funky. Um, and it grows, it grows into itself, I do believe. It sounds like the Jeffersons mixed with the background track from a PlayStation 1 game. <laughs> but I do like this song. I think that, like, like Monty was saying here, at the beginning, I was like, what is this? What is Ariel Pink doing here? But it built into something interesting, which is more than I can say for most of the rest of this album. But but then again, I feel like if you had songs like this, just constant sporadic genre hopping, I know this album does genre hop, but it ties together, I believe, with the traditional Ariel Pink songs. I believe if you had an album that was constantly like this, it would just feel so disjointed that it wouldn't work. And you see, the thing is that I like that it's different, and I like that it is not the rest of the album, as I was saying, but I think my biggest gripe is that not that it would sound too different or something like that if it was all like this song. I just am not really interested in the middle of this album. I think that the first two tracks hit all the marks that the middle of the album hits and do it better than the rest. So it it feels almost like a chore to me to listen to this whole thing. None of it's bad. It's just long and kind of boring, in my opinion. So my final thoughts on this album are this. Um, The first half of this album relies too often on the traditional Ariel Pink motif, which is just really hazy songs. I feel like there could have been more variation in the first half of this album, but yet I felt that it was consistent enough to lead to the second half, which really blossomed with a lot of variation. It's still tied together in one um, cohesive product that I really enjoyed. I believe this album did drag on a bit too far. I, I would have cut out a few of the songs that were two minutes long in the middle of it that I think just didn't really add anything to the album but provide pieces of that tether to the more varied songs. I'm going to go ahead and give this album an 8 out of 10, a low 8 out of 10. See, so my thoughts on this album is that, like I've been saying, the first two songs hit all of the notes of this kind of lo-fi, hazy, vaporwave-influenced sound that it seems like Ariel Pink was going for, and the middle of the album seems unnecessarily long to me. The last two songs do change up the pace, and I think they do so well, and they do so in a way that's kind of typical of Ariel Pink in his past discography. I'm not a huge fan of the lo-fi co-option that um aerial pink has done here but it works for what it is um if i was going to score this album i'd probably give it 
low seven or strong six, probably the low seven, because um, it is it, it does sound good. I don't I do not like this as much as his last release, Pom Pom, but it's worth listening to at least once. I would say. That's going to do it for this week's review. Uh, We do have a quick update for you guys. If you check out our Facebook page, we're going to be posting a Spotify playlist of songs that we talk about on the episode. That's going to be a weekly thing. Um, So you'll hear Radiohead, a lot of Ariel Pink this week. Yes, and um, near the end of this month, which is now, we're going to be releasing a bunch of a Spotify playlist with a bunch of songs that we consider the best of the month of September. So keep an eye out for that. Definitely check us out on Facebook. There's a lot of interesting stuff to come. Once again, you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7. This has been The Spin Room. I'm Milius. And I'm Monty. And we hope you guys tune in next time. Thanks.